Welcome to the 105 Way Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia. And co-host, Jason and Payson. And on this episode, we have author Terry. Terry, how are you today? Hi, Jason Payson. <laughs> God love how it rhymes, right? We yeah. uh, we always tell people this that we were we had a little hiatus, I suppose, of of no episodes because we were trying to figure out how to incorporate our newborn at the time into the episodes, and then we just decided we're just gonna include him, include him, and just say acknowledge that you know we we always acknowledge that he's here, but for the podcast purposes, even extra acknowledge that he's here. So we appreciate you um, um, being patient with with having a six month old on here, and and. Uh, He's going to be a part of many more. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And it's beautiful to see the family and having kids involved at the youngest age. And then they'll just know what to do. Exactly. Mason, he's just sitting there playing with his toy, not making noise. So he knows what's up. (laughs) Even at his young age. (laughs) So with that being said, we'll go ahead and get started. So first question is, tell our listeners about yourself. So things like where you're from and what you do for a living, and then talk about how the idea of writing came to mind. That is so funny. I know that's not a funny question, but I always have some crazy stuff going on in my head. Like, okay, do you want me to start with once upon a time? Or do you want me to start with like I'm Fresh Prince or some? body, you know, but I wasn't born in West Philadelphia. But anyway, I was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, That's where I'm originally from. And right now I'm uh, living in Snellville, Georgia, which is in Gwinnett County. And I am an author, educator, and book writing coach. One of my favorite things to do is write. That's one of my absolute favorite things to do. And then I'm blessed to be able to combine my love for writing with encouraging other people to do the same and, you know, live their dreams. I am a former classroom teacher. uh, And I'm also a former editor with the Department of the Army in Public Affairs and writing. How did writing come to me? I remember loving to write as a teenager because I remember, you know, starting to write poems and all that good stuff. So, yeah, that's how I got started with writing. I maybe have liked writing earlier, but I specifically remember as a teenager writing and writing poems and of course, this is going to date me, but I don't care. It's beautiful to be dated. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> back in the day when I was growing up, we had this teen magazine called Right On. So I had all these pictures of all of the, you know, young black guys back in the day. And then I also remember writing a poem with uh, uh, about Muhammad Ali because I was a fan of Muhammad Ali and he had that floats like a butterfly sting like a bee. And Terry, I'm sure you didn't know this, but Patricia is actually a fellow Ohioan. Yes. 
Oh, yep. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but I'm born and raised in Toledo, Ohio. That's all the way up north, Ohio. Oh, yeah. That's near Detroit. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's where I'm, I'm from. very familiar. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we actually started the company right outside of Toledo in Maumee, Ohio. Um, so that's that's how we met. Before we ventured and, and started working for ourselves um, full time, um, we were both parole officers. So that's that's how we Ooh, up in Toledo. Parole officer? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's literally how we met. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, de definitely know Ohio very well. And actually, if it wasn't Toledo, Cincinnati, I was telling her was like my next destination because I really like that city. OK. And where are you located now? Austin, Texas. OK. Cool. Yeah. So we, we 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 left the north and came to the south just like you and enjoying yeah. this this better weather. OK. Yeah, yeah. The weather is a treat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So with that being said, let's, yeah. You, you want to ask the next question? Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about your first book that you ever released. Tell our listeners a little bit about that without giving them too much. Tell them <laughs> the title and what it is about. Uh, one of my first books and I'll call this my first one because that's when I actually worked with a subsidiary publisher. Um, and it's called, it's still all about love and some other stuff. And it is a collection of poetry. And it is divided up into three parts. Um, family, life and living, that kind of love romantic love and some other stuff, that kind of love, and then God's love. Which is very, very important. Mm -hmm. um, and so not just with this book, but just overall, um, I know you said you told us you're, you're a coach as well, writing coach, but what were some struggles that you had when coming up with the concepts of your book or, or writing in general? Well, the biggest struggle when um, doing my first uh, book, which I did through self-publishing, was finding a publisher, you know, so that the book looked good. You know, this book came out in 2009. So before that, you know, I would see books that were self-published and they looked like they were self-published. And, you know, having worked in the field as an editor, I, um, knew that things had to be and needed to be done a certain way. And probably even if I wasn't in the field, I would know that I wouldn't want my book to look this way, you know, with the margins too wide or misspelled words. So yeah, so finding a publisher, that was like my first struggle, finding a publisher where the book could look good. Yeah, it's funny you brought that up because that, that's how 105 got started. I actually had a terrible experience with a publisher, unfortunately, out of Georgia. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, they, you know, I paid them for editing. Book wasn't edited. I looked at the when I sent it to them and then the final product, no words were changed, but they said they edited it. And that was my fault for not for trusting them that they went through it. Right. Um, but, you know, sp spending the money and then having to. Um, 
essentially act like a new author just to get my book from underneath them. I had to go do a roundabout way just to get to a supervisor to remove my book. It was such a terrible experience. Um, mm. And so you're right. There, there were things about that book that could have looked and been a lot better had I done my research on the publisher. And so that's why we started 105 so that no other authors had to go through what I went through because it happens all the time. So that's very, very important. Picking your publisher, um, whether it's, you know, traditional publishing or self-publishing me, me personally, us personally, we're not going to recommend hybrid publishing. Um, and that's mainly because of the experience that I had. Um, but I think that no matter what, even if it is a hybrid publisher, as long as you do your homework, because it wasn't until afterward I looked up the reviews. There are about 19 reviews, ain't none of them good. Maybe there was one, but you could tell it was like an employee who wrote that mm -hmm. review, right? Um, so that is very, very important to have that additional backing to make sure that um, you know, your your product that's being brought to life is brought to life correctly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of our listeners, they're either in the writing process or they're they're just getting some advice because they want to start writing. But for someone that was in your shoe or that's in your shoes, um, where they 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 might be finished writing and then they are looking for a publisher. Of course, we want them to go at 105 Publishing. All day. <laughs> All day. Um, what's some advice that you have for someone who might be at that stage where they don't know what to do next? Well, one of the first things I would say to them is to make sure their manuscript is the best that they can get it. Like, almost like perfect even if you haven't had an editor yet, or even if you are about to hire editor, even before you hire an editor, have your manuscript the best it can be. That's my number one right there, because you got to have a good product. And then that way you won't get caught in the trap of, you know, wanting somebody, well, if you're not too careful and you haven't made your manuscript the best it could be, it'll seem like you needed to hire a ghostwriter. So make sure that you have that in order. And I'm very happy you brought that up because we've had submissions, some we've taken on, most we have not, where if you're writing a fiction book, this is a huge advice. First of all, I don't know why we get submissions sometimes where the entire book is all together. There ain't no paragraphs. There ain't no nothing. We got to figure out where to indent it. We got to figure out where the next chapter is happening, right? And then the second thing, which to me is the most important thing, dialogue. When people are talking, please show some indication of when Paul and when Betty are talking. Because when they run in together, sometimes we have to either guess, which you never want your editor to do, or continuously ask you who's talking in this section, who's talking in this section. So I, I see that a lot. And I know you said you're a coach. I don't know if you see this very often, but it, it all runs into together. And because the writer says, well, I know who's talking, 
right? They don't think, well, let me make this make sense for the person who's not me. What what, what are your thoughts on that? Wow. <laughs> I can't believe somebody said that to you. Uh, you know, I've also taught writing. Uh, I said I'm a former classroom teacher, so I've taught language arts and and writing to uh, middle schoolers, uh, high schoolers, also in GED prep, and I've done workshops and training. And I, like I said, I love writings and I'm happy to be able to teach others. And so what you're describing in that instance reminds me of the papers I would get from students where they didn't use any punctuation no indentation. So it sounds like you have some of my former students <laughs> turning in a book. But I always tell students like at least use a period. At least show indentation for your paragraph. And then as far as the, um, you know, what you described is what you receive and it's like, okay, this person wasn't ready for it an editor. And some of the things that I've done, even for people that want me to edit their work in there at the beginning stages, I can't help but to be a coach. So I would give them some information on how to do dialogues. In fact, I've had that question. You know, so the people that I've worked with, you know, knew that, okay, they knew that they didn't really know how to do dialogue. So they were like, could you advise me on how to do dialogue? And so I would refer them to different resources. And I remember one time I was um, editing somebody's book and I didn't really know what they meant, right? And so I was like, okay, let me just try to figure out how to move this around. And then, then suddenly it occurred to me, hold up, wait a minute. You can ask them what they meant (laughs) and have them tell you. And I always tell people, just say it. Just what were you really trying to say? Just go ahead and say it. Don't think about how to say it, but just say it. And usually that ends up being a much better um, way to even write it. And then I always remind people that writing is a process, so you can always go back and change it, but you got to have something on the paper. But if you're giving it to somebody else, even if it is your coach, even if it is your editor, remember this is still communication and the whole purpose is to have a message going. But if the words ain't right, spelled right, or if there's all this run on, then the message isn't going to be uh, delivered as effectively as you would like for it to be. Yeah. Did I answer your question? Yeah. 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 No, it it, de- it definitely does. Um, and and it's it's kind of like we've even gotten those submissions, which I really prefer. Where after every single sentence, as he said, she said, he said, she said, he said, she, right? And mm-hmm. even and as you know, you don't always have to say that. There's ways to not have to say he said, she said, and make it clear to the reader that we know who's talking, right? In a creative way. Uh, but we mm-hmm. even prefer that over mm-hmm. 
nothing. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's get that's getting it started. Right. And then with the he said, she said, and then with your recommendations, you can be like, you can try this or whatever. Because one of the things that I got a lot of or have gotten a lot of when people are writing nonfiction is using um, transitions, but they would use the same ones over and they would use them, but it wouldn't sound right. You know, so I started giving out lists of transitions and when you use them so that they could have that in their toolbox of how to make their writing better. Yeah, and I agree. I I love that we're talking about self-editing just because it not only helps your publisher or editor or whoever's helping you with your book, it helps you as an author as well. Because you don't want to give your manuscript to your publisher or editor and they're changing all these things around. And now your book is not sounding like your book. So by you self-editing your own work, you're keeping that same style. You know, you're helping us help you <laughs> in the mm-hmm. end. Yeah, because what will happen, so you said like keeping you know, making sure it sounds like you. If a person has to change so much, they may just go ahead and rewrite it because it's too confusing. And like you said, that will change the voice. Yeah, yeah, this this, this has been a, a really good episode because yeah. I think, and I don't want people to think that the three of us are bashing anybody, right? Mm-hmm. But you do just want to understand that unless you're writing this book for you, you have got to find a way to effectively communicate to the audience that you're attempting to capture. And so because of that, you have to leave yourself for a second and read the book as somebody else. I've, it took me a little bit, but I've actually, like, even when I write, I try to read as somebody else. And there's times where I say, well, that don't make no sense. <laughs> right? Instead of writing like me and writing any you know New York slang that I may have, that may not make sense to somebody else. Or if it is slang, that's perfectly fine. But put it in a way, in a, in a context where, okay, that's how they say it in Brooklyn. I see, right? Mm-hmm. There's ways to do that. And then again, like you said, having that coach, having that additional help is is always, um, always key. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it's important to, um, I always tell my students are customers or authors of all ages, whether I was in the classroom or workshops or one-on-one, is that even Pulitzer Prize winning authors have editors. And if you listen to any interviews with editors, even our favorites, whether it's Maya Angelou, Toni Morrison, they, they rewrite and do all this stuff all the time. So it's a process, you know. It's a process. And then also having references to refer to, like the basics that we had in elementary school, beginning of elementary school is a dictionary. Now you have so many other things available, but then uh, knowing about style guides, you know, what style guides to use, whether you've in, whether finding out the style guide that book publishers refer to, or even 
letting the authors know, the writers know uh, what a style guide is for. Even people, for example, that work in journalism, I remember a few years back, I was um, at a luncheon at some conference and the uh, keynote speaker was a, uh, a well-known newscaster. And she ended up talking about how she pulls out her style guide when she's writing her news stories. So having a style guide or having doing stuff editing does not mean that you're not good or your message isn't important. It means that you're using tools to make it the best. And even if you haven't memorized how to use commas, for example, I have I even give people referred them to like, I'll give them a link to a section on a website that talks about using commas. If I notice that they keep just using it, you know, just not even using it. So simple things like that. Or if you know that, oh man, I'm not good at spelling. Like if you know you're really not good at spelling, you got to use a spell check, but then keep in mind that the word can be spelled right, but that's not the word that you want. So you were talking about reading as though you're reading to reading to someone else. I always tell people to read it aloud because when you read it out loud, you will notice things that you thought was there, but wasn't, or like you said, this don't even make sense. Yep. Yeah, just like I said, this this has been no offense to any other authors. This has been one of my one of uh, Payson's too. Uh, one of my uh, favorite episodes because it just it just highlights so much of you know how I think the biggest takeaway is remember that other people besides you are going to read your book, and if you need additional help, seek it. And even if you don't think you need help, seek it. Yes. That. Right, because there's no shame in that. It's like Writing is, is supposed to be fun. Reading is fun. Learning is fun. So if you want it to be fun and then think about, okay, when you're writing, when you're reading a book, okay, come on. You don't want to read a book that doesn't make sense. You're not going to keep reading it. Well, Terry, it has been amazing and it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. You've been great. Yeah, hasn't she? <laughs> so tell our listeners where they can find you and your books um, and anything else you'd like to let our listeners know. Okay, I, my website is yes, Y-E-S with W-I-T-H P-E-S dot com. Yes with P-E-S dot com and P-E-S is the name is the acronym for my business, Personalized Educational Services. And um, I'm also I'm also a podcast host, Tenacity Talks podcast, Dream Do Do It Again. So you can find me on Spotify and some other uh, platforms, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio. And um, actually my latest book, it came out a couple of years ago, but it's my latest book. It's a kid's book, a children's book. It's called Just Call Me Scholar. And it's for, it's a picture book. And it was designed to, or written to um, 
build confidence in our kids. And um, my target is three to eight year olds, but it's good to read aloud to even, you know, little babies like Payson, because they'll like the pictures. One of my friends did a review and it's on Amazon. She did a review where she was reading it to her little baby, her little grandchild, which is probably like Payson's age. And she was saying that the baby was talking back to her or like she felt like she was really looking at the pictures and she put like a little video to show. So yeah, and then earlier you had mentioned about a struggle or obstacle or whatever. For the children's book, my thing was finding an illustrator that could capture or make it look so good, just like I wanted it to look good, the text to look good. In my first book, I wanted the illustrations to look good. And my illustrator is amazing. And so hopefully you'll check out that book, Just Call Me Scholar. And then on my website, you'll see that I have an online store as well, just because where I have some uh, things to go along with uh, Just Call Me Scholar, t-shirts, book bags, and then also some blank journals for writers or, you know, but yeah, check all of that out. <laughs> no, trust me. Oh yeah, we, we, we definitely will. We definitely will. This has been the 105 Way Podcast. You can tune in every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. Talk to you soon.